Well, everybody, today's episode <laughs> was hilarious. Peter, what did we talk about? Oh my, I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> Consciousness, uh, relationships, creating impact, containers. <laughs> I love it. So if you're watching this on video, Peter's in his garage. And if you're listening to this, you're in for it. We had so many audio difficulties, but we were so committed that we spent two hours getting 45 minutes of nuggets recorded for you. But here's what I got. How self-love will guarantee your success. How there's a difference between critiquing and being destructively self-critical. How your self-love will always lead to finding a path of success. How unconditional love and wealth created challenges as an adult. How fear, death, theft, and an out of left field disclosure led to a path of growth, how the vision board in real life doesn't always lead to happiness and might not be what you want, how living for the weekends challenged Peter and led to purpose, how emotional survival will always prevent growth and success. Do you create from a place of possibility and abundance or scarcity and lack? Don't make the mistake of building your house on sand. Do you pretend you don't have a superpower at your disposal daily? A quick hack to change your emotional state immediately and some wise wisdom to tattoo on your soul. Did I get it all? Dude, I, that's impressive. I love it. All right. So that's what we got into this episode with my dear friend, Peter King from Wide for Impact. So we're both going to shut up and ignore technical stuff for a little while and get back into life. So without further ado, here's the intro and enjoy the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show, where I always love these episodes because I'm joined by special guests. And today, I have the king. Yes, the king of kings, the king of himself, the king in so many areas of his life. But this man is a dear friend uh, as of late, somebody I highly respect and admire. I look up to as a father. I look up to as a human. I look up to as a man. And the truth is that everybody who listens to it, he helps rewire to have a bigger impact. A little play on words since this podcast is called Why for Impact, but he is somebody who believes in relationships and consciousness and self-development and growth and success and honesty and transparency, all with love while leading by example and raising two of the most amazing kids I've ever met in my life outside of my own. So that's the best intro I'm going to give him. So Peter, Peter King, the King of Kings, the King of Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you, brother. That might be the best intro I've received, so yes, thank you. Yes, yes. That's my goal every time. Like, my only purpose for doing a podcast is that when I have my guests on, <laughs> the first thing they do is they validate my ego. That is exactly done. why I do it. I love it. We can wrap it up. We're, yeah, we're done. We're done. <laughs> we're, we're, we're done. Peter, Peter's joining us from gloomy St. Louis, but just providing sunshine into my life right now, and I'm here for yeah. it. All right, so I got to kick off the show in normal show fashion because it really sets the context. And and you of a lot of people that I've had on the show have a plethora of experience and wisdom, and I can't wait to hear this. And so one of the questions I love asking people is like, when you look back at your journey, and, and you've been in this game for a long time, been a part of big companies, your family, yourself, your entrepreneurship, when you look back. What was one of the biggest, and I, and I use the word mistake, but biggest quote unquote mistakes or lessons that you got, that you took forward, that you literally have as a non-negotiable in your life now? Um, self 
love. Yeah. And that one, that one was a, a hard lesson to learn. Um, and I say this with uh, deep honor and respect for my mother, but um, she passed a little over a decade ago and she was an incredible giver of love, an incredible unconditional giver of love. Um, and I know in the quiet, um, intimate moments before she passed and some of the conversations that we had, that there was still some struggle there with receiving love. And uh, it just, it made such a profound impact on me moving forward from that point on. I, I just, I, I got to the point where I realized how much that, that type of thinking can create dis-ease in the body. And um, I just vowed to myself, honestly, as a tribute to her, in an honor to her, to not go to that place. Like, I'll be self, I'm, I'm pretty self-critical and I've been, I've been destructively self-critical um, for a good portion of my life. And I just, from that day forward, I just felt the sense of like, you know what, there's always another day. Um, until there isn't right but if so long as there's another day um, we get to continue to grow we get to continue to learn look at things through new perspectives um, so for me that that area of self-love is paramount I'll give you a quick example of this and I was just sharing this with my daughter the other day we were talking about some of the changes that her brother's going through because he's 13 now and the testosterone has kicked in and he's become a young man virtually overnight. Um, it happens pretty quick. And, uh, and I was explaining to him as well a little bit, a couple of days before, like, this is what's going on with your body. This is what's going on with your life. You might feel this, you know, aggression and this emotion and this drive, et cetera. That's testosterone, blah, blah, blah. And at the same time, uh, there can be anger and rage. It's like, and you know, this is a man and all the men are listening to know this too, that that testosterone feels like fire. And for a young man who's just experiencing that, it's like, uh, it, it is fire. And the question is going to be, is this going to turn into wildfire or is this going to be controlled fire? And, um, so anyway, long story short, I, there was an instance where he and I had a spat or whatever, and he looked at me with, tears in his eyes and pure rage and he said from the depths of his soul he's like i hate you mm. and as a father it's like oh you know like that if there's ever a time to feel uh, i'm feeling it right now a little bit if there's ever a time to feel like i'm not worthy that would have been a good moment and two things came from that for me number one I remember being that age mm. and I remember going into my room in tears after I said some horrible things to my mother. Like, cause, and I remember thinking to myself, like, where did that come from? Like, yeah, I had a legitimate beef with her, but there were things that were coming out that I really didn't have control. Of. Like it just came out and I was like, man, I felt, I felt so bad and so shamed. So number one, I, I remembered my own experience. And then number two, I also had this new commitment that, that my mother bequeathed upon me, which was I'm not going to beat myself up to the point of destructive application, if you will. And so one of the biggest gifts I hope I gave him uh, after that incident went down was after he cooled down a little bit, I went to him in his room and I said, hey, bud, I just want to let you know, I know you don't hate me. And he nodded, yes. And I said, I, I, you know, there's things that I can improve on. There's things that I can do better. I think if you were 
honest with yourself. We could have done it a little bit better, blah, blah, blah. We talked about how we can handle that situation in a better way. But um, that that self-love, getting to that point of uh, like I'm not worthy and I'm so frustrated and whatever, and but but pushing back enough to say, but that's okay. And I'm going to be okay. And, and I may need to learn some things that maybe may suck for a little while, but I'm going to continue to show up. Yeah, dude, that, that really lands for me. When you, uh, when you said like, he looked at me with tears in his eyes and I could feel the rage. <laughs> Number one, my four-year-old gives that to me already. So he might be a little advanced in his testosterone, right? Or that's the universe <laughs> testing me. But one of the, one of the things that I love about what you just said and, and the answer to your question. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to unpack it a little bit too, is, you know, you are really good at relationships, but what you had in that moment was you had this level, in my opinion, this level of like self-acknowledgement, self-love and enough of it to stand in that moment, like to hold that moment with your son, not make your son wrong and also not make you wrong, but then to choose how to respond. Now, is that something that like, has it always been that way? Is that something you practice? Like, what does that feel like? Or what does it do? Because in my opinion, like with a lot of entrepreneurs, just having that skill set guarantees the success of their business, right? Like not letting the world pull reactions and make up stories and false narratives. So like, what does that feel like? Like, how did you get there? Or like, how do you practice that? Because like, in my opinion, the hardest part is having like a loved one say that to you or a child. I'm like, well, if your son can say it and you can do it, then any business partner can say whatever they want and you'll be unfazed. Well, you know, it's funny because it's, it's, um, it's not standing uh, in the world, so to speak. It's standing with my son. And I say that because I think that specific relationship um, is something that I've invested a lot of uh, – where you know intention and awareness and uh, learning around um, and I uh, you know I grew up I remember thinking that way feeling that way etc so I had a lot of quote unquote advantages if you for that type of scenario whereas uh, you and I had a conversation about this just a few days ago it's like that same instance has happened to me in other types of circumstances where it is more challenging and so I think sometimes our relationships there's different dynamics to those relationships. But for me, for that father son relationship at the age that he's at right now, mm-hmm. I just really connect with it and I know where he's at. And so I, I kind of parse it out. Um, whereas in other situations, um, I'm trying to think of one that's fresh, but you know, that, that might be with, um, well, I was, I, my daughter, I was getting her, uh, her driver's permit a few months ago. Oh yeah. I remember this one. Yep. Yeah. And, and the cops started giving me a hard time for being in the room. There was nobody else in the room. This is still 2020. So COVID was still strong. People, you know, masks and and uh, social distancing and all that, except, you know, they wanted me to wait out in the car. And I'm like, I'm not leaving my daughter. She's literally the only people in the room with the exception of one other man who I didn't know at the time was another policeman. And uh, they're like, you need to go wait in your car. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Thank you. And they're like, like immediately went into a level of intensity. Like you need to go out to your car right now. You need to not escalate this. I'm like, I'm not escalating it. You guys are escalating it. And I'm like, but my whole point in sharing this is like, I did feel the adrenaline. I did feel the, I didn't feel as calm and as grounded as I did with my son. And that is, so to answer your question, I think that relationship is one that I've really centered myself on. Uh, with intention over the last several decades and probably even prior to that 
unknowingly just growing up and mm -hmm. having my father not be there and stepping into a father role. And there's a whole, there's more context around that that maybe aids that. Yeah. And I think, and I, I, I'll give you a little bit of credit too, because you might have, you have the tool and you might be able to apply it in the situation with your son a little bit better. But the fact that you were able to hold it and write a Facebook post about it instead of choke slamming the guy and yelling back still means that you have the tool and like that's a different sure. container in an area. And so have you found that like a lot of that has come because you do a lot of work, like you do breath work and meditation and consciousness and boom. Have you found like this correlation because this goes back to your first question, like with this level of like self-acceptance and self-love when practiced gives you this ability to kind of navigate regardless of the situation. Would that be a fair assumption? Yes. Yes. Without a doubt. Yeah, because I sure. think I think like because when I hear you talking, you're like, oh, it's sharper with my son. I was like, yeah, <laughs> but but George three years ago would have been arrested in that moment, <laughs> right? Like, I was like, oh, triggered PTSD. Let me remind you what I used to do for a living, right? Like, yeah, no. But then I also noticed that like in my life, when I spend time having those distinctions, like you share, of like, oh yeah, I need to have grace with myself. I need to have self love. And the best place I practice that is with my four-year-old and my 16-year-old daughter, right? Because I'm in the same situation with the daughter, except she tells me she hates me sometimes. And I was like, ah. and then I practice it with my son. But those same lessons I apply and they come into the office, right? They come into the business. They come into all of it. And so I think it's a part for me that I see neglected all the time. And so I'm going to unpack mm -hmm. that in a minute. But before I do, I'd love to kind of hear your story arc of like how you got here just for some context, right? Like you've, you've taken a couple trips around the sun, right? And you've had a lot of different experiences to being in multi-million dollar businesses, to self-leading, to doing empowerment, to coaching men, to coaching women on relationships. Like give me whatever arc that you want to give me that got you from like where you are, where you were to like now I'm an entrepreneur. Now I run this podcast. This is what I do. Like, I just kind of love to hear the story. Sure. Um, I, I grew up fairly traditionally. Um, my, um, I jokingly tell people that I had, I had a horrible upbringing because I had a mother that loved me unconditionally and a father that did very well financially. And I say that sort of tongue in cheek because the, the con side of that, if you will, is like, sometimes that can rob you of some motivation. A lot of people that I see that are very successful are so because they had uncomfortable to push off of. Well, I had like marshmallow padding and like cozy blankets and like, you don't want to push off of that. <laughs> there's love here. There's abundance here. It's hard to push off of that to create, uh, to fulfill your potential. Um, so I grew up with that context, but um, it didn't, the, the house of cards didn't really start to fall away. The, the facade started to fall away in my thirties when um, I had uh, a daughter at that point. I just had my son, uh, uh, or sorry, I had my daughter, my uh, ex-wife was pregnant with my son at the time, and then my mother got ill. I got a phone call, I was at a friend's uh, wedding, I was the best man in a wedding, and I was preparing for the best man speech, and I get this phone call, and it's my dad, and he says, hey, mom and I are coming, you know, she's got a lump in her breast, and this is, this is serious, and uh so I still had to like stand up and give this best man speech and, and, and try to be funny and all that. And, but in the back of my head, I'm like, what is going on? And so there was a lot of things going on in my life, literally within 18 months. Um, I, I ended up losing my mom, my grandfather, two uncles, um, 
a woman conned me out of a lot of money, six figures. And then my dad came out gay. And it was like, all right. At that point when he came out, I was like, well, of course you're gay. Like, you know, I was getting so many curveballs. So, uh, and you know, that's a whole nother story, uh, that I can share if you want, but like it, it, it provided a context for me to say, all right, what the hell is going on right now in my life? And I knew that I was at a bit of a crossroads and I could either just sort of roll with it and be like, all right, oh, well, or I could do that little bit of a deeper dive and look at um, what does it mean to be a good father? What did I miss by him not being around? Because uh, he was, regardless of his sexual orientation, he was just gone a lot. He was working a lot. Um, but because of his sexual orientation, what what did I miss from a traditional uh, father who could relate to my situation and support me with relationships and girls and uh, sports and all of those things that I was into. And I found that I, in a, in a healthy way, in a productive way, I developed this condition of, well, I'll fucking figure it out myself. Mm -hmm. Like that was my, that doesn't sound very healthy. I don't know that I said that, but like <laughs> that was my default, right? Well, fuck it. I'm going to figure it out myself. And, and I think when people get in those circumstances, they go to destructive or constructive. And I, I, at the least I went to the constructive side to try to figure it out. But honestly, man, it was a lot of blind, you know, trial and error, screwing things up. Um, I didn't know what I was doing um, with relationships. I ended up marrying my high school sweetheart, which was, uh, to me, it was a beautiful unfolding of what needed to happen in my life and hers as well. Um, but that ultimately I got to a point where I realized uh, I needed to, to get some outside help. Um, and I needed to get my feet on the ground with what it means to be a man. What does it mean to be a father? What does it mean to be a good partner, et cetera, and ultimately a good leader in the world to make impact. And so, um, I just to land this converse, this part of the conversation, I got to the point where I realized I woke up one morning and I was like, I have on paper so many things that are amazing. Why am I not happy? Uh, I've got a, a nice, beautiful home, beautiful wife, great kids, but there was just something missing. I felt like a shell of myself. I felt like a shell version of myself. I was exhausted. I was miserable. Um, I was frustrated. I felt like a fraud. I felt like I was putting on this happy face when on the inside, I was just, I was not feeling it. I felt like I was, I had a calling that I wasn't answering. Um, and so all of this was going on inside of me. And uh, I, I literally at one point tried to live a nine to five life. Cause I got to the point where I'm like, what is wrong with me? There's something wrong with me. I, I should be happy. Um, and so I'm like, I gave it, I gave a two week intentional, I'm going to just be happy with a nine to five life and live for the weekends. Oh, so many other people seem to be happy doing that. I'm going to do that. And I, I lasted maybe a week and it hit me and I was like, you know what? I, I can't not think about purpose. I can't not think about trying to help people and learn and push myself and grow. And that's when I realized, I didn't call it at the time this, but that's when I realized that I was quote unquote wired for impact. I was wired to give a shit. I was wired to try to help people. I wanted to serve. I wanted to uplift people and uh, haven't always done it very well. But ultimately the podcast started, I got two and a half years into it and realized I needed to, to tighten the, the branding message of it. And uh, what came to me in a moment of meditation was 
wired for impact. And that was, that was before I went to the Joe Dispenza stuff, by the way, which yep. is kind of interesting because it, it seems, you know, <laughs> confirming when I got there and started learning all that. Yeah. Good, good, uh, good future pacing for yourself now really yeah. like getting deep and meta and we're probably going to get into like many worlds theories at this point, if we start ripping those ones to pieces, <laughs> I love a lot of that. And, and even, even so, and by the way, just so everybody listening, uh, Peter does have a good show and, uh, there's an amazing episode with this guy named George Bryant on it. Um, mm. you should probably check it out and subscribe. You're screwing up all my average analytics, George. Like I, I, I have to throw yours out because it skews all the other ones. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Like when I hear you talking, I, I got to ask a question that came up to me earlier to tie these together. Right. Like we, we talked about at the beginning, like what was the biggest thing? You're like, Oh, this lack of self love. And that led to this, uh, what'd you call it? Oh, uh, like self-critical, overly self-critical and destructive. Right. And then you get met <laughs> with everything. <laughs> you get death, you get cancer, you get your dad coming out, you get theft out of money, you got everything. And you're like, oh, pause. And what it sounds like is that in that moment, you're like, I'm going to choose to do something besides self-destructive behavior, right? It was like almost like a pattern interrupt. And so when you say earlier, like self-destructive behavior, like when you were like overly self-critical and then that would lead to self-destruction, like what would that look like? Because it sounds like in that moment you did something different, but what is like that self-destructive critical kind of like swamp cesspool look like? And then how did you find your way out of that? Um, my habit was checking out. Mm. So my destructive habit was um, going inward, uh, isolating, um, cutting off, so for me, that's what self-destruction looked like. I mean, obviously there could be worse, totally. but I, I, I didn't get into any of that, but, um, and I didn't, I wasn't even fully conscious that I was doing this, but, mm -hmm. um, I was, um, I was in emotional survival and, uh, I could, I could see it in my kids. I could see it in my ex-wife. Um, I could see it in the mirror. Um, and ultimately I could see it on my body. Like my body started to fail. I had, uh, I developed a lump on my back. Um, I was feeling chest pains. I was, um, you know, I spent a couple of very, very lonely nights in the hospital, um, thinking like, shit, this might be it. Um, so those things have a pretty profound way of making an impact on somebody and getting your attention yeah. and, and helping you realize like what you're doing isn't, isn't working. Like there needs, you need a shift here. Something, mm -hmm. something needs to shift. Yeah. Um, and you said, I, I got to interrupt you cause it, it just tied together. The other thing that was like bothering me that you said, you said, you know, when you said that didn't sound healthy, like I'll fucking prove it. Right. Like I'll do it. But I think what happens and I see it a lot. I think what happens and I see it a lot is there's this like compensation where you're like, I'm aware this is happening. I'm going to go all the other way out in the opposite direction and go that way. And then I think the ultimate goal is that we find the middle and be able to modulate. Yeah. Right. And so I feel like that's something that you're really, really good at. Like one of the things that you thrive in is like talking about relationships. Right. But I think what you really thrive in is like that self relationship, like that the most important one and what you mm. do. And so, you know, in my opinion, and, and obviously like you and I are friends, so I'm, I'm talking a lot on this episode more than I, I would, but like for me, there was this point in me as an entrepreneur and even as a human where my destructive behavior was creating chaos and breaking stuff. So then you could tell me, George, you effed it up. Look, you failed. Cause then I would take that 
as ammunition, and I would use that to then prove you wrong again. Mm, and a it, two step. It, dude, dude, it was, it was good. Like I, I was good at this like manipulation of self game and like hiding the destructive behavior because mm. it's like, and I even look back like I and and this is gonna get really deep. I know Peter will appreciate this, but like mistakes that I've made in my life that have hurt other people and I'm still in relationships with those people and on the anniversary of those days instead of supporting breaking my leg ending up in the hospital having like physical illnesses that put me in bed three years in a row on a date that I caused pain and I couldn't Mm -hmm. stand in it and so instead I physically manifested like quote unquote a lump on my back except a broken leg because I ran into you on a quad damn like, and so it's deep. Like, this is like a it's really big topic for me. Yeah. And my wife laughs because a lot of people, oh man, you would be the person that I would cry about on my own show about my own story without you asking a damn question. <laughs> the hardest part, Peter, is that people celebrated that wound. Because mm. George, ready? What's George's story? Oh, from poverty into the Marine Corps, honor graduate in the Marine Corps, almost loses both of his legs. Say they're going to amputate him. Okay, cool. So then what? I learn how to walk again, tie a world record, do an Ironman, right? Like, oh, George became a food blogger because he got out of the Marine Corps. So he could, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, you can't write a book. Then I become a New York Times bestseller as my new addiction. And I, people celebrate what was actually my pain and my trauma. Mm. Like it was crazy. It was crazy. Mm. I don't know. Sorry. That was, that was a little tangent. Like it could go really, really deep, but uh, we'll leave it at that. No, that is deep. Uh, The payoff. There's always a payoff. People, people complain, people will, um, you know, talk about their injuries or their, uh, how, how the world is against them, their victimization, but there's a payoff in that. And there's a payoff of, of love, of affection, of poor you, of this, that, or whatever. And I am certainly guilty of that. Um, but it's interesting that it then manifested in a drive for you, which then got very rewarded, very celebrated. And yeah. so, and I've seen people go down this path, very high performing people who are a mess on the inside, but high performing on the external. And, and it's very difficult for them to a get that awareness. But then once they realize the awareness is like, Oh shit, if you take that away, I'm not going to perform. Cause that's my whole drive. You're taking away my fuel. How do I perform? without this, without being a back with my back against the wall or people doubting me or me fucking it up and then having to fix it. It's very difficult for people to rewire, but, uh, that's not where real creation comes from. Yeah. Like when the removal of it, here's what I went through. I'm going to let you be my therapist for a minute. Cause you help people with relationships and you coach people and rewire for impact. Part of the hardest part for me was I got the awareness, right? I got the awareness that how I was showing up was toxic, right? I was creating success, but it was from an unhealthy place. And then the people close to me in my life were like, hey, I know you're quote unquote succeeding on paper, but we're all miserable. And a piece of feedback I got uh, from one of my first mentors was I left a trail of dead bodies behind me. And she hit me right in the gut because she's like, so you go to war to save people's lives and to do blank, blank, blank. And you bring them all home and you come back and you take that and you decide to just kill people here. And I was like, uh, uh, ow, right? Like, ow. And I needed to hear it. So then what happened is I had this awareness. I'm like, God, how I'm showing up is causing collateral damage, collateral damage, collateral damage. Right. Mm -hmm. 
I felt so stuck and so addicted that the pain of the fear of the withdrawal was greater than it was to continue doing what I was doing because there was so much ambiguity in what Mm -hmm. was going to look like. Right. And so then what ended up happening is that I didn't start (laughs) everybody around, everybody around me left. Right. So it was like wife left me. Right. Couldn't see my kids anymore. Fuck. Uh, Business partners left and then I'm stuck on an Island and it's almost like I wanted to create the island because I couldn't take the, the choice or make the decision to do something different. It was like the story I told myself, but it was it was good. Mm-hmm. But then the period that followed was probably one of the hardest periods of my life. It was about three years. And the hardest part is it felt like every day was work because I had it felt like I had an empty gas tank because I'd spent 35 years of my life being fueled by insecurity, being mm-hmm. fueled by these broken narratives <clears throat> And it took me quite a long time to realize that, well, I got to kind of create my own and chase it. But when you said that, like it really, really answered me. And I know I'm not the only one because one of the reasons I had so much success so fast is because the moment I had it, like the moment I became a New York Times bestseller, the feeling lasted for about five minutes and then it was gone. And then I felt empty Mm -hmm. again. And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. next deal, next deal. But then I got to a point where there wasn't enough quote unquote drugs to even do it anymore. So then I just felt lost. Like I felt stranded. I felt isolated. And I've come across quite a few people like this and it leads down this path that like you've kind of gone down, which is like this path of like self-discovery and self-realization and, you know, self-improvement, but from this place of like self-love. And so I've never shared that with anybody, um, but it came up and it like hurts to this day to think about (laughs) Mm-hmm. it's funny now my drive is I don't ever want to feel that way again I just want to be happy and love and have my kids happy and love and my wife happy and love but yeah it's a it's a it's a big one man it's a big one well it's um uh, this is tip uh dipping my toe into the Joe Dispenza world a little bit but um he often talks about creating from that higher level of emotion and abundance, Mm. um, as opposed to, um, creating from a sense of fear, creating from a sense of, uh, desire for significance, creating from a sense of, uh, incompleteness. Um, and it can be anything, creating a relationship, creating, uh, you know, a a paycheck, um, a a healthier bank account, creating a better body, et cetera. Um, if you're coming from that place of void of lack of, uh, fear, the creation that you're creating is you're building it on a house of sand. You know, it's not, there's no foundation there. And like you said, you might achieve, but probably the worst thing that could happen is that you actually start to get results that you get celebrated for because it seems like you're heading in the right direction. And while there's certainly something to be said about those achievements, it's not to take anything away from you on those because I'm sure you busted your ass and there's a lot of great totally um, wins collectively in it. But if at the end of the day, you're still miserable, uh, you're still empty. That's another game. It's another fight. It's another, um, it's a different approach. It's a different mindset. And that's the world that I live in where it's the inner stuff. And I have, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who have the external validation, uh, in spades, like plenty. And yet they're still struggling with a relationship or, or like you said earlier, a relationship with yourself. Um, and I can't even begin to tell you how profound it is to to come to a place and then this this happened for me just even last year it was like a turning point when because we know we've known each other a little bit enough that i've shared with you like i hate the winters here in missouri <laughs> yeah uh, 
I don't hate winter. I hate Missouri winters. Like I, I, I would love to be on the mountains. I don't mind the cold if I'm in a place like that. Um, I really thrive in like tropical uh, sun, ocean, those types of environments. And St. Louis like has neither. And so there's literally like a three to four month period every winter where it gets gloomy, gray, cold, no snow. It's just miserable. I think it's miserable. And so for a few last handful of years, I was just kind of a bitch every winter, like, oh, I'm trying to get out of here. I got to escape. And, and so my point is, I was trying to create from that sense of lack. Like, even if I did pull something out, it was like, oh, I've got a second home in Florida or uh, was able to travel enough to where I didn't feel that I, I'm, I'm still not on solid bedrock. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until there was literally a day I was sitting home. I can't remember if this was actually even on a holiday because I remember it was like a, maybe it was a new year's or something like that, but I was sitting alone and I knew at that moment that I had to choose happiness. Like I am, I'm taking me wherever I go. If I'm fucking miserable everywhere, like don't be miserable, choose happiness, tune in Mm -hmm. to that joy, to whatever. And there was a profound moment where I was just sitting and I, I felt this overwhelming sense of love and joy. And I started like laughing because I'm still, uh, the environment didn't change. Now my external environment didn't change. It was still gloomy. It was still, you know, annoyingly cold. Um, but my internal environment changed mm-hmm. and I created a new internal compass to where what was coming up. And so, and here's the takeaways, like what started to emanate from me from that place of creation was what if, what am I missing? What, what in St. Louis am I missing? Because I've been so like complaining and being a baby about it that I've had my head down all winter. Like what restaurants have I not been to? What cool activities? What there's so many different little, there's a lot of really unique uh, communities. There's an Italian community here. There's uh, you know um, I forget the name of it, but there's just a lot of really cool things here that I was overlooking Mm -hmm. because I was feeling sorry for myself. Yeah, um, it's, it, 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 but to me, the biggest thing was it, it felt, I swear to God, dude, it felt like a superpower because it was like, if you can be alone in a, what you might consider a shitty environment and still find joy and still find happiness, it was like, oh my God, I found the, the anti-drug to, to any prop, but you know, like nothing, nothing is worse than being surrounded by abundance and just feeling completely miserable on the inside. Because it's one thing to, if you're in a shitty environment, if you're like in jail or, you know, Victor Frankl's- uh, Man's search for using, meaning. Yeah, it's like, you've got all the reason to complain and be frustrated. And, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm sure that situation sucks. But, but when, you've given, when you're given everything and you have no excuse mm-hmm. and you're still miserable, that's a, it's a scary place to be, quite honestly, dude. Like, it's it's like whoa there really is something fucking wrong with me and but what it does is it strips away all of the the excuses yeah uh jim carrey jim carrey said one time like i wish everybody could be rich so they could realize like th- that has nothing to do with how whether or not you're happy i'm paraphrasing but he said yeah no no like i've seen that quote it's a good one yeah yeah well, and I, I think so, what's so powerful about that too and what i love about your perspective right like you and i have very <laughs> very different upbringings right <laughs> Like, I mean, about as polar opposite as they could come, but yet we end up in the same place. Yeah. Yes. Unlocking relationship with self, 
prioritizing yeah. ourselves, being good parents, finding empathy, compassion, right? The paradigms were very, very different, but the commonalities we end up here. And it's funny, I have to call you out. You can't say you were being a baby because babies are way more emotionally intelligent than adults that reference themselves as babies. I just, That's I true. just have to say that. Like, do not, do not project on babies because quite <laughs> frankly, I think one of the greatest gifts to humanity is learning emotional behavior from children, right? Like mm-hmm. you talk about this, right? Like I can, I, I live a comfortable life, right? Like I've done well. And so like my kids grow up very, very comfortable, but it's funny is it doesn't matter if we're in a house on the lake in the house of the mountains or in a tent in the middle of the woods, my four-year-old is as happy as a pig in shit, no matter what, most of the time. And when he's not, he fully experiences emotion, he expresses them, and then he's out, and he's like, let's be happy again, basically is what he's saying. And quite frankly, Mm -hmm. as an adult, the fucking most challenging part of me is like, I don't want to be happy right now because I have this (laughs) crappy narrative that I'm supposed to be sad, and I can create something from it. But it's it's really powerful. So I want to untap this because I think this is something that you're really good about and, and and I watch you do this. So when you talk about this like tuning in to happiness, right? We talk about how you can't create from a place of scarcity, right? Like what you resist persists. If your come from is scarcity, you're going to get more of it. If it's anger, you're going to get more of it. Like there's no tricking <laughs> how you show up. Like it's it's there. But then at the same time, in a moment, we can breathe, find presence, find happiness. It doesn't mean our external environment changes. It means we control the narrative that happens on the inside. So can you talk through like what that looks like or what that means to you or like just kind of unpack that a little bit of like tuning into happiness or even tuning into creativity or what you mean by that? Yeah, well, and I'm in, I'm in, I'm obviously in the journey myself, and mm-hmm. I've just recently tapped into a whole new well of depth of what that even means um, going into this meditation and Joe Dispenza world. So um, some of it is, is, uh, I'm, you know, it's, it's big. Um, but what it means to me, um, tapping into that, uh, creating from that higher level of expression, that higher level of emotion. Um, we, I don't think we realize how much we're affecting not only our physical well-being, but every, every interaction that we have, every thought that we have, if we're coming from a place of lack, you know, like you said, you, the, the environment or your external environment doesn't change around you, but there are so many subtle nuanced things that does change, that does then add up and affect effectively does change our external environment. And this is the, the, the more quantum science behind this stuff, which is when you're tuned, let's say, let's say individual A is sitting there feeling sorry for themselves, they're feeling frustrated, they're feeling oppressed, they're feeling like a victim. What they're not realizing is that low level of conscious emotion is actually creating electromagnetic uh, energy around them that is affecting their literal body's functions. So let's start just with that. If you're if your body is not fully functioning in coherence in the quantum world, they call it um, uh, destructive interference. I think it is when the wave, the electromagnetic waves of your emotion are affecting the particles of your body biochemically. Your biochemistry is going to be very, very different than person B, who's in an elated state of of total abundance and joy. Regardless, they could be sitting right next to each other. And the environment so-called could be the same. And yet immediately in their own biochemistry, 
they're existing in com two completely different realities. Mm -hmm. You take person A who's feeling the shitty way and you interact with one person. What does that interaction look like versus person B? What does that person look like when they make a decision, when they um, have a story about themselves, uh, about how they look in the mirror? Uh, it, it is even there are so many subtle nuanced things in our external environment actually do change when we tune into that higher place. So when you're in that higher place, right away, the biochemistry is different. The mindset, because you're in that higher place, you're in that higher place because the mindset tuned into a higher frequency. So everything that comes out that emanates out from you, from decisions to words, to your own self uh, talk, to uh, then physically starting to manifest around you, it does change the environment. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense. And I'm gonna I'm gonna layman's term it for me, cause like one of the things that I quote unquote struggled with is I was like, I've been unhappy and miserable for years. You're telling me I can choose something different. Like I can just be different. And that was my right. that was my resistance per se, right? That was my like backdoor out. So that was kind of like my resistance because I was like, there's no way that like just changing my thought would do it. But then what I forgot is I had 35 years of programming convincing me it was one way. And I expected to change one thought one time and have a different result. And so for me, when I hear you talk about it, like what comes up for me is it's like a muscle, right? And constantly choosing to practice and to create and to be source of happiness or joy or creativity but it's a consistency and a commitment to the practice, right? So old belief is like, oh, I'm not, or rewire it and choose a new one. And anytime I'm off, keep choosing that new one. And I've definitely found momentum in that and a, a different level of happiness in understanding that. And so it totally makes sense to me. Totally yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Yeah, because I think for you, like you and I talk about this too, like I'm like, tell me how to fix it. <laughs> and I was like, give me the blueprint. But the, the truth is, is like the blueprint is built through the practice of it, right? Like, cause nobody else is in your environment and responding and seeing your environment like you are. But I think really this practice of like tuning into self choosing, like you said, choosing happiness, right? Like it's no different. Like in this moment, like I'm going to choose an empowering thought or something like that. will start to kind of dissipate the negative self-talk that's behind and allow momentum kind of moving forward. What it does. Yeah, absolutely. What, and what, you, you nailed it on the head when you talk about the momentum, because what happens is when you when you do tune into that and tuning in, it's one thing to like point at it and fake it. It's another thing to fully receive it. Mm -hmm. If you fully receive it, there is you can you can dial into full joy at any point in time mm -hmm. if you fully surrender to it. But the problem is, and like you know, this is this is the this is the interference. It's kind of funny that we're actually dealing with interference on this call. But that's the interference in our own thoughts of, well, I can't I can't fucking fully feel it right now because, you know, I just got laid off or because mm -hmm. my wife is doing this or whatever. Like, there's we have that self talk that doesn't allow us to fully surrender. That's where the quiet comes into play. That's where the containers that you and I have talked often a lot about. You've been an awesome uh, inspiration on that for my life. Mm -hmm. Creating that space to actually sit and and give your thought space to let go of the negative shit and tune into through choice, through intention and fully surrendering to it. What does full joy feel like right now? 
and and it's not always joy and happiness um a quick little hack not a hack but like a quick little step-by-step thing is whenever you're feeling off frustrated or whatever the process is to ask yourself what is it that i want to feel right now mm-hmm. what is the emotion that i'm looking for sometimes it's like i, I feel disrespected and i want to feel respect i want to feel validation i want to feel that it might be that or it might be um i don't feel connected right now there's there's a word and there's an emotion that often comes up for people that they don't feel whatever it is that they do want to feel surrender into that but what does connect and feel like right now what does full abundance feel like right now um and the and this is an actual hack gratitude Yep. Simple gratitude and start to list, sit down and write down, force yourself to write down and get in a flow of what you're actually grateful for. And by default, as a byproduct of that, your your mind will slowly start to tune into that higher frequency and you can create from there, make decisions from there. I, I love it, man. I love it. And um, I'm going to just reiterate what you said and I want everybody to listen to that again. And so for those of you wondering... Um, if you hear a little bit of feedback, we tried to edit out, we're going to cut this episode short, but if you want round two, let us know because it's taken Peter and I almost two hours to record a 43 minute podcast and we'll, we'll go unpack why the universe is giving us that gift on this podcast. So, but Peter, I do have to ask the last question. I know you got to go. Um, one of the things I think is so powerful and prevalent is this parting wisdom that I want you to impart on people. So, Imagine nobody heard this entire episode and maybe they didn't because of the feedback. Sorry. But in this moment, you have the ability to tattoo their soul with a piece of wisdom, advice, or a takeaway. What would you tattoo on their soul? Slow down. Receive. It's okay. You're okay. And when you land there, the world is your playground. Mm. Mm. There's I'm not so much. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna add to that because there was no static and it was dead silent the whole time you said that, which means that's the message the universe wanted. So for everybody listening, go check out Peter's podcast. It's called Wired for Impact with Peter King. I'm on the show. It's an amazing show. And then Peter will have to do round two and we'll laugh about this and we'll figure out why this happened and we'll joke about it. Uh, so Peter, thank you so much for being here for everybody else listening. You might still be hearing a little bit of feedback. You might not, who knows the message should have come through anyways, but I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for playing the game. Take a chance and try what Peter talked about. This is something we talk about a lot. I talk about stillness practices. He reiterated that. I talk about gratitude practices. He reiterated that. Talk about choosing something different. So choose something in this moment to empower yourself to be different. And I will either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. So go check out Peter. Go check out Wired for Impact. And then let me know on Instagram if you want us back for round two and specifically what you want us to cover. But until then, it's time to Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. 
Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.